slap in the face. There you go. Well, hey, we are glad that you're here today with us, and uh, uh, it's a triple play. This is our kind of first of the the new year, 2023, right? This is the first, yeah, first, first of the year, all second right. all time, second all time. That's right. Well, let's uh, let's jump into it. We got uh, we got three headlines today uh, in sports. Number one, which I think we got to lead off with this video here because this thing is this this was quite the play. And uh, so hold on here. Oh yeah. And it is Demar Hamlin. Everybody's talking about it. Mm. This guy. That's. Uh... Um, just a, an incredible athlete. And, and not what any ahead, of us want to see, and everybody's up, around him, and, and we're just not sure he's going to be okay. What all happened there? So, uh, so we'll take another break shoulder, shoulder here in Cincinnati. But I'm sure that's not the first time he's been hit in the chest before. No, no, no. He, he, uh, uh but I mean, uh, it, it's something to think about, right? I mean, you, you never want to see an athlete get hurt. He was a second-year guy. Um, with the Buffalo Bills. Bills have been having a solid season. And, uh, you know, as of right now, they say that he's improving in his health, that uh, he's doing better. Um, but uh, they're also saying that he's still in ICU, so it's not over yet. Um, there we wasn't. Can't, he can't breathe on his own. No, no, he can't. I don't that's, think I don't so. Think that, yeah. yeah. Like well, at least, the, at least right now they've got him under. They said they've got him under. Um, he is getting uh, oxygen, the last I heard. So, um, but. That might just be awesome because he's under. But, but that being said, I mean, you never want to see an athlete get hurt. I, uh, um, no. Um, and you dealt with that. I mean, as a player, you know, on the baseball field, obviously you saw saw any injuries. Did you see anything that was kind of gruesome in your time out there? Um, not really gruesome. Um, you know, some shocking visuals, like when Chase Utley uh, slid into second when we were – playing the Mets one year and that guy got hurt I forget even forget his name uh anyways he broke his leg but just like the flip and everything and full speed and you're like whoa yeah like, it's not like gruesome um uh, this the scared most scared I've ever been on the field when I was when I first signed out of high school we were in the Gulf Coast League and there was a right fielder Dominican player and it was probably 100 and I don't even know what 105 out just rained so it was super humid playing in the middle of the day i don't know why they used to do that i think they switched to morning games now but like back when yeah they didn't care about anybody <laughs> players or anything we used to have us play at one o'clock in florida and the heat like after full morning workouts go and play and that humidity and the, the humidity, humidity. Oh so my it was like i don't remember it was like the fourth inning or something there's a fly ball and the right fielder dominican guy came and ran in and just stopped and like stopped for like a second and just stood there and then like just flopped on the ground and started like like seize like seizing up oh wow and it, it was just it was a full body cramp that's all it was wow his whole body just shut down because he was dehydrated i think uh, as a fan the scariest thing i've ever seen at a ball game um and no it wasn't fred bird but uh <laughs> san diego chicken <laughs> the philly fanatic right so no the, the the scariest thing i ever saw was uh the cardinals had an outfielder who was on the on deck circle in Canarsignon, and uh, uh there was a foul ball and it hit him in the eye and he never saw again oh yeah yep. yeah he lost vision in that, that eye that stuff like i mean that was early I, 2000s I like mid 2000s it's fresh on everybody's mind but like stuff like stuff like that happens all the time, all over the world. People just die. Yeah, well, that's you true. Don't even People have to just take die. And hit in the chest. Yeah, but, but look it up. Look it up now. You can look up professional soccer players dropping dead, uh, high school sport players dropping dead. Like the, people just drop dead. Now it has gone up since the the shot, though. Well, I mean, yeah. Everybody's been talking about that for a while with the myocardial mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so you you definitely see an intake of that. And I saw a clip online. I don't know how legit it was, so I didn't want to include it in our podcast, but. Um, I will bring it up that you know apparently he, he had talked about how he had had the the two shots in the in the in the booster so he'd had three all together now again um, you know I, 
I know if people play with stuff, so I didn't have a chance to, to, to seek the source out on that one, so I didn't want to include it. But I will say that there's definitely a lot of speculation out there. But regardless of that, I think as believers and as sports fans and, and an athlete, I think that the biggest thing we want to do is just, you know, remember him and, and his family in our prayers. We want to see him come back. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I think that also, you know, you hear a lot of people say, I will pray. Um, but I actually wonder how many people actually pray, have been praying for Hamlin. I mean, I know I have. The guy on ESPN that prayed on, on yeah, line, yeah, yeah. So that's a, people do it. Yeah, well, but but I mean, you know, a lot of people say stuff like, "I'll pray for that," or "I'll yeah, yeah hearing our prayers." But do they really pray? Or is that just a, a, a slogan that they're using to make yeah. themselves feel good? I I know that when I say that, I really intentionally about ten years ago, I said I will not say that I'm going to pray for something or somebody unless I actually do it. And a lot often I will say, "Let's just stop and pray right yeah. now." Yeah, oh, I was so. just about to say the same thing. Like I. Uh, if for whatever reason, if I if I'm like instead of driving or something, or you know, I give somebody food or or somebody come up come up to me and I realize that oh this person really needs prayer right now or whatever. If I say I'll pray for you and walk away, the chances of me praying go down a lot. Instead of praying right there or not even telling them that I find if I don't if I just don't say anything and I walk away, it like it just it's like my conscious like a thought like i need to pray for this I'll, I'll, okay i'll pray i'll pray i'll pray and then i stop and pray so you don't have a, a prayer journal then i would take it no i would highly encourage you just, i've done prayer journals yeah i was gonna say I, I really find that i have one that i write in and you know actually when god answers a prayer i'll put it there or whatever it is sometimes it's answered in a way we don't want it to be you know it could be that they pass and go away but that's still an answered prayer so oh, yeah. but uh all right well on to, to number two so number two we got Tulane. The Cotton Bowl. Did you see that? I saw probably what you're probably going to bring up. What is? What do you think I'm going to bring up? I thought you were going to bring up the uh, targeting. No, no. I was just I, – I actually was bringing up the fact that, you know, they were not a well-ranked team, and they've had an, this incredible season. They came from out of nowhere, kind of, have an incredible season, 12-2, uh, and two, and uh, concluded their magical 2022-23 with the win at the Cotton Bowl, um, which was the 87th. Who did so. they, they play this year? Well, they, they played a good team. Who did they play? Well, I know who they ended up playing, but – Yeah, but who did – they played Alabama, right? Am I thinking right? No, yeah, USC, USC. Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah played USC. Last, I said Alabama. Last, uh, last play, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that's the play you were going to talk about. No, no. I was just I, I wanted to bring it up just because I thought I caught bits and pieces of the game while I was working out. But at the end of the gym time uh, at the gym, I could tell everybody was watching the game, obviously because of the last minute play, but also just because it was kind of a cool feel good story. You know, beginning of the year, I always like good feel good stories. You know, it's good to, to root for teams that aren't necessarily, you know, well, who thinks of Tulane, you know? I mean, we talk about the big ones, not not teams like that. Well, Tulane, so. so Tulane is not a powerhouse by any means. Yeah. On anything, maybe academics. <laughs> but they always, like every five to ten years, they have a sports story. I mean, I yeah. remember when it was basketball, there was like a year or two where they were really good at basketball. And that might have been like 2004, five, and six. And then that went away. And then they were good at baseball for a little bit. And then that went away. Now, yeah, again, you know, it's kind of this smaller, not not as well-known school does well. The Cotton Bowl is a, a celebrated event, so I thought it was just a cool story, and I enjoyed watching bits and pieces of the game. Um, I was watching that. That's the hard part of me when I a lot of these games. I go to the gym, uh, mm-hmm. and I'll have them up on multiple screens, so I'll be watching that one, watching that one all at the same kind of time. I I tend to do that. I, <laughs> Do that also on Sundays, you know, when they have uh, good games on. You need I'll... Red Zone. YouTube TV Red Zone. <laughs> I do, well, I, I will put up my iPad. I'll have the TV on here. And sometimes if there's a third game going on, I'll grab the machine next to me if nobody's on it and put it on the TV there so I can watch all three while I'm working out, man. So. Yeah, Tulane, I don't, I mean, yeah. that's good. That's cool. Cool story. Yeah, I really yeah. like USC, so. Yeah, well, I just thought, you know, again, a, a, a no-name, no name, I shouldn't say no name, but a, but a smaller school, not as well known, wins Cotton Bowl. I thought it was a really good feel-good story. A lot, a lot of people took notice. I saw a lot of people on social media making comments about it. I thought it was worthy to bring up since it just happened. The last what's one. Green Wave. Wait, what's? I need to know what Green Wave is. I don't know. What is what it? What is a Green Wave? Where did that come from? I have no idea. I, I have to know that. Well, you look it up. While you do that, green, I'll start bringing right, in. You bring it up. 
I'll bring, while you do that, I'll bring up number three here, which I find very interesting too, because right at, the, right at the end of the year, beginning of the year, we get Eric Hosmer and Mike Moustakis both get released. Um, both, you know, neither one of them are superstar. Neither, they all kind of, they both came from the Royals. They both won a championship with the Royals, but they both kind of overachieved that year. And not that they were bad players, but those were career years. I mean, Moustakis hit, I think, 38 or 40 home runs for a couple of years mm -hmm. in a row. Eric Hosmer got up in a higher 20s. Um, but if you really look at their career, that wasn't who they were. Um, and then, like, I look at Hosmer, and Hosmer actually had a normal Hosmer year with the Padres. They trade him because, obviously, they, they wanted to – they're trying to get every superstar there is, and Hosmer wasn't that guy. He's not – he's not a superstar. He, he's – He's an above-average player. He's, he's a good complement to a to a superstar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you know what? And if you if you didn't if you already had other players who were really good on your team, he'd be a great first baseman. He's, he's good defensively. He's he normally hits into twenty home runs. Last year was a little bit down season, but he got hurt at the second half when he got traded to the Red Sox. He was um, with the Padres on pace. I think he had fourteen home runs in the first half with the Padres, if I remember right, and. Uh, he uh, uh, was batting in his two. You know, he's a two seventy hitter. Mm -hmm. He normally bats about two seventy. Has uh, tw low twenties, twenty twenty one, nineteen home runs right in that ballpark year over year. And so I just thought that was interesting. The other one's Mustakis. Again, kind of. He actually had a worse year for the Reds, but he's Bad also moved year. positions. Um, he, uh, uh, you know did whatever he kind of dealt with some injuries mm -hmm. the reason kind of i'm bringing them up is a both their royal players but both of those guys are guys that if a team picks up number one the team that that released them because they both were put on um uh they were both released well, yeah. you know the padres are on the hook for the next three years for hosmer's salary the low the the, the rumor is of this morning i haven't seen uh, in the last few hours, but the Cubs were close to closing in on him. But I mean, the Cubs would only have to pay him like a little over a hundred thousand dollars to have this player for the next three years. Yeah, get I don't know if I'd, I, I'm down on Mustakas just looking at his numbers the last three years. Yeah, since he's been with the Reds, yeah. part of that though is they moved him. He was a third baseman, and they moved him to second base because they already had a young third baseman. And uh, I, you know, Mustakas to me at this at this point in his career is a guy that you have come off your bench. He's that veteran presence. He has some a little bit of pop um, and a DH. And with the National League having a DH, he, he would be great for a National League team that needs a DH with a little bit of veteran. I think he needs a yeah, – He's not hitting homers anymore. Yeah, but he's in, he's, he was playing for the Reds. So, exactly. <laughs> Listen, 2022, he had, he had 250 at-bats. He had seven homers. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, that's not good. I know. I'm not just. Hey, look, I'm not saying Mustakas is a game changer, but is this a guy that for a hundred thousand dollars you might see if he can have be a decent DH and be, and be a good backup? How are you going to pay him a hundred thousand dollars? Because the Reds are on the hook for him. He got released and he's well, still. Well, I know they're going to pay him minimum, which is like six hundred something. Whatever the okay, six hundred thousand, the minimum. It's the league minimum. So yeah, I'm just telling you. He's based on his last three years. I would rather have someone young and up and coming. Young and come up. You can get a guy that's twenty four to to give you three hundred bats and hit two hundred. Yeah, that's true. Right. Well, the Cardinals have that probably too. be faster than Mike. He'll probably be a lot of things. Are you talking about my Cardinals, Paul DeYoung? Oh gosh, don't get me started. <laughs> I've almost pulled my hair out when they signed that guy for that much money after watching him do what? well for. Three what? months. Yeah. Well, he had one good year. He had his first year. He came out. He did well. They signed him to a big contract. Um, you know, the the thing that's interesting about that is there's been a lot of rumors, uh, not to go there too far because that could be another episode for us. But but there's been a lot of rumors around the Cardinals and the Red Sox making a trade. The trade would be uh, DeYoung, uh, um, Burleson, and one of our young pitchers for Chris Sale. Um, the reason why Red Sox uh, salary dumping want to get sale off the books because they're obviously not going to compete this year. They're in a rebuild mode, and they'd rather uh, get a couple prospects out of it and see if they can get a bounce back on DeYoung. They need a shortstop. DeYoung is an adequate shortstop. He's not bad. He's not a huge liability defensively. Offensively, if he figures it out, they say that he's taking big steps this offseason. We'll see. I mean, what else are they going to say? Oh, what? He stinks this offseason. He's 
Yeah. Well, but but the difference is of course you're going to say that. Well, the difference apparently from the Cardinals' perspective, I can tell you, is that JMO the other day in an interview said that for the first time in the last three years, he actually showed up to the facility in the off season. Has been working with all their hitting instructors, and he has not done that in the past years when they've asked him to. So I don't I don't know if that, I, that smells of desperation, not commitment. Well, I, I he <laughs> is desperate if he hasn't done it for three, four years. Well, and what's weird is that he did it in the minors. He goes down to minors and he hits twenty home runs in a few months in the minors. Comes back up here, he has a couple of good weeks, and then he goes back into his whatever. So you know, I'm a, I'm not a high nor low on DeYoung. I wish him well. He's a young guy. I like him for a lot of things. Um, I think that uh, I think for for the Cardinals though, we obviously have our shortstop and second baseman. Uh, at this point, I don't see where he fits at this point for our team. And if maybe a change of scenery going up to the Red Sox is part of a trade, if he bounces back for them, that's great. If not, he's only signed for one year. They let him go, and they don't have to have pay Chris Sale $17 million plus another fifteen. So they free themselves of about $35 million off their books. For the Cardinals, what do they get? They get a guy who's a bulldog who last year had a couple free freak accidents, which makes him a little cheaper right now. Uh, he had the famous biking accident where he fell down and hurt his finger, and then he got hit by a, a line drive on the other hand. So he kind of had some, some issues there, but he bounced back and still pitched by the end of the season and seemed to be fairly well. So he's, I think, uh, not a huge risk. His contract's not huge, 17-17, and then a 15 guaranteed. Plus, if he's in the top five uh, Cy Young voting in the next two years, he has a third-year option for 17. So What makes you think that Boston's uh, rebuilding? Well, they lost Xander. and yeah, They're uh, they probably going to lose him anyways. Well, they lost Xander. They let go of Evaldi, the, the, their pitcher who went to the Rangers. And uh, Devers has mentioned that he is not interested in – One si- year. Well, yeah, he signed a $17 mil- or $7 million one-year deal, right? Yeah. But he was already that, – that's because he was he was under their control. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. They, but yeah, he, but they lost Evaldi. But he's already said that he's most likely going to leave the Red Sox. That they've they've talked to him about a long term contract, and he has not been interested because they all their superstars just left with Bogart. Corey Kluber. What's that? Is Corey Kluber not good? Corey Kluber? Yeah. I don't know. Is he? Well, I don't he had know. an off year last year. Well, he says he's signing with them. Yeah. I mean, again, Corey Kluber was off last year. He was in. You know, he's thirty eight years old. He's had two years last year. He didn't pitch so well with uh, Tampa, if I remember right. And in the year before, he was okay, but he's definitely not the superstar. He's 30. I mean, you're getting an older player who's past his prime. He's he's probably a number three pitcher. Masotaka Yoshida. Yep, they did sign him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, again, I'm not saying I'm that just, they're – I'm just – Yeah, but when you put that team up against, like, the Yankees or some of the other powerhouses in their division, even the Orioles. The Orioles have been – you know, they started to rebuild. Now they're up and coming. They've got a lot of young players, so – the Red Sox just don't look like they're going to compete this year. Look, I mean, I don't think they're going to dumpster dive. They're, they're still the Red Sox. they still got some talent on that team. But Chris Sale has two years left, and he's one of the higher-paid players. Is this, a, is this a team that's going to compete the next two years, or is this a team that's probably about three years out? A lot of people think it's about three years out. At that time, Sale is gone. He, they're not going to probably resign him at thirty. What he'll be thirty-eight, I think, at the time. I think he's thirty-five right now. So, well, if if they think it's going to be less than three years, they'll keep sale. Yeah, yeah. If they don't, which would be a good indicator for people. Well, it also depends what they, they get back. Need- I mean, uh, you know, for sale, uh, that goes back to what the Cardinals offer. Because we could also we could also make the case that maybe they go with somebody like Libador, who's ready to come up this year. Kind of touched toes a little bit last year, and you know they think that maybe he's you know he's still a talented left-handed talent. The Cardinals might be one that to get rid of him because he didn't quite perform the way they hoped that he would last year. He's, he had he could pitch six games, a couple good ones, a couple bad ones, a couple mediocre ones. He just wasn't the ace that he was touted to be quite yet. But it was his first experience in the in the majors, mm-hmm. and uh, and so you know again. You know, maybe maybe that that's a trade where they look at him still being high value. They get Burleson. Burleson hit thirty something home runs in the minors. He did all right in his call up for us. It looks like he's ready. We just don't really have a spot for him. We got eight outfielders, and not one of them's had more than one good year. That's the Cardinals' issue. They're they're going to face this year is they, the Cardinals have two issues this year, and that is simply pitching, starting pitching. They lack an ace. I mean, they'll they'll win games with what they got. 
but they go to the playoffs. The guy who led the playoffs last year just signed a two-year deal with the Mets, and they had all the other players. So basically the guys who couldn't take you on game one are what you're going to have to go with. Um, out, of that, out of that, the way I look at it is Montgomery is probably a really legit number two pitcher. And uh, Michaelis is a solid three guy. He kind of reminds me of that Lance Lynn when he was with the Cardinals. Yeah, occasionally rise to the, t- to, to the top, but you've seen over the years Lance Lynn is not a number one. He's not a number one with the White Sox. He kind of filled that for like a half season for the Rangers, but really even in his time with the Rangers, he never really – he's a he's a solid complimentary guy. You don't build your pitching staff around, but he's solid to have. He's going to give you innings. He's going to win you some games. Michaelis is that guy. Wayno is going to be Wayno. Great number four guy. I look at the Cardinals, they lack an ace. Who is that shutdown guy that go, go into the playoffs, takes game one, and sets the tone? You know, back in the days, it was Chris Carpenter and Wayno. Obviously, now the Wayno is 41 years old. He's not that guy. And since Carpenter, and actually, Wayno, even though he's kind of bullheaded, it was never quite the same as even Chris Carpenter. I mean, if I look back at 2011 World Series when we won that, go look at game one. First play, uh, one of the very first plays, I looked at my wife, and I said, we're going to win this World Series. And I said... And everybody will tell you that it would be Albert. But I said, it's going to be Chris Carpenter. He's going to will his way. He won a pitch in three games, got three starts, and he was a game changer. Albert was too, not to discredit Albert in 2011. I thoroughly enjoyed watching it as a fan. And, and his, his home run spectacle, four home runs down in Texas, won us a game there when we lost one up here. But Chris Carpenter went three wins, three starts. Um, you only got to win four to get the World Series. Three so you're saying the Cardinals back. need a number one. Well, and then the other problem they've got is their outfield. They've got they've got five or six outfielders. None none of them have had more than one solid year. You got do any of them? Can any of them play the infield? They don't need infielders. They got plenty of infielders. So why why is too many outfielders a problem? But how many of them are? But which ones are going to step up? None of them have had. So you have they can o- pick five, and then they duke it out. Well, that's what they're doing right now. But I mean, again, they could all five fluke too. I mean, you got O'Neill. O'Neill. Well, you can't do that. You can't have five floating. You need you need three guys that are going to start ninety five percent of the games. Uh, then the fourth guy is going to. So here's their starting three right now. They've already said it. It's going to be O'Neill left. It's going to be Carl Carl Dylan's uh, Dylan Carlson in center, and it's going to be right field will be uh, uh, Newt. Okay. Now, here's the deal. Newt had a solid season last year, but he's not a superstar. Now, I did see his off-season workout, some videos. Maybe he takes a step forward or at least maintains do what people, he would. Do people work out in the off-season if they don't post it? I don't know. <laughs> this always drove me insane. Yeah. I don't oh, no. It was some kind of company bragging about their technology. They had them all hooked up, but, know, but it was. Um, look and at in, me. Work out. Look at me. Look, yeah. look at me. Work out. I just don't get it. Well, and, and then you had um, – Carlson. Now, the Cardinals have been high on him, but he last year was a huge step down for him. I mean, you know, you look at year one, did really good last year. He was good defensively, but, I mean, his offensive numbers were pretty much horrendous. I mean, any, any outfield, you could you could step back out tomorrow in the shape that you're in and get did what he did in center field. I mean, not def, not defensively, I'm talking offensively. I think he had three or four homers, batted around 230, 240. I mean, that's not, that's not, that was not a step forward, like, from his first year where he hit, you know, 20 dingers and batted in a 280 range. I mean, he, he definitely took a step back. O'Neill hurt most of the year. Again, batted in the low 200s. His power seemed to be zaps. He didn't have as many dingers. So those are your starting three. I, I, I don't even think he can wipe his butt anymore. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. He's so big. Dude, yeah, he's, he's big. They say he's working on flexibility stuff. But then you got good, number four. Good. Number four on that, uh, on that team, the fourth outfielder, is going to probably be either Yepes or Burleson. Burleson, I like him. Um, he's not known for his defensive prowess, but his bat, you know, 24, 25 years old, his bat in, in, uh, down in AAA, you know, he hit uh, almost 30 dingers down there. Came up late season last year, seemed to add power to us. So I'm good with him. It just doesn't, you know. It, you're, it, you're willing to trade him for a, a better pitcher. You got to trade somebody to get somebody. If it were me, I would probably trade one of the other guys we were talking about. But the Cardinals already said that's their starting three. So then you got to go to either your fourth or fifth guy, right? And the other guy is going to be Yepes. I mean, I don't know how how high other teams are going to be on Yepes. I think if you're getting a guy like Cursell, Burleson is a a decent prospect. He's probably going to be a good DH, an adequate outfielder. Um, You look at a a guy like – Libidor being a pitcher that could replace Sale, um, and then you you throw in um, 
you know, uh, DeYoung, obviously that's more of a throw-in. I mean, he's not what you sent around, but they have a need there. And it would help us to de- get rid of his salary a little bit, especially if we're taking on Chris Sale. We, we, we shed $8 million for one season and pick up, you know, 17 for each season for the next couple. So, you know, I, I think it makes sense. If you look at it on paper, this is this is one of those trades where it could really make work well for both teams. Gives uh, a couple players a good shot at a team like the Red Sox to make it. And what uh, Do you know the rule change for signing free agents as it affects the draft? Or is that... Is that the same? I thought they changed that. If you sign a free agent, you lose. You mean if they're protected? I mean, like if they, if they, if they're a, one of the designated ones. No, just they, it used to be that when you signed a free agent, you compensated that by. That was one. That's if it was one of their top free agents, and you had to give them a comp of the first round. Yeah. Yeah, they they changed that a little okay. bit. That it's still around. They also could get. You know, they could. Except that was if they de- declined the uh, um, uh, minimum, which was the top three in there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that's still around, um, but it's it's changed ever so slightly. There, that was one of the rule changes. And this upcoming year, and we'll have to, have to do an episode on I'm really excited about the shift going away because there's some t- players um, that I think are going to do really, really well now that that's gone. But let's move on. So uh, we we need to get into Hall of Fame. Okay, because it's, it's that time of year. And this is actually kind of fun. There's three guys that really stood out when I looked at the ballot. Mm-hmm. I thought we would discuss them. They each, they each have positives and negatives. Okay. And, uh, and so let me uh, uh, go here. Uh-oh. One second here. There we go. First guy is, is – is, uh, Carlos Beltran. So Carlos Beltran. Carlos Beltran is to me a first. This is his first year. Um, you look at his numbers: fifteen hundred runs, fifteen hundred RBIs. I mean, you know, five hundred doubles, four hundred home runs, three hundred stolen bases. A lot of people don't talk about Carlos Beltran, but in his early years, he stole a lot of homers, and he was a doubles machine. Was he part of that cheating thing with Boston? Not with Boston, with Houston. Houston, that's right. That is the that is the downside. You look at him, and you when you when you look at that, you got to say, okay, that's the that's the the stink on him. But it's not like he he took steroids or something like that. You know, like this is a guy. I mean, that. that well, did he cheat? Cheat for what? Houston. To get that 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 the championship. Um, do do teams try to get an advantage by using cameras or? Or uh, not banging teams on. that don't cheat. <laughs> no, yes, he cheated. Okay, I, well then. Uh, so does he? So is the case that he? Did you think he should not be in the Hall of Fame then because of that? We do throw his whole career away because this last year in baseball he did that. Well, yeah, I mean, I would um, say the same thing about you. Like, oh, he lived forty something years so well. He, he still let him out of jail. I know he murdered that guy. I know he. I knew he stole from that person. Okay. So, so you, so your, your thought process is, is maybe well, what's the what's the Hall of Fame if not like the most distinguished and honorable players to play the game? Well, is it honorable? I guess that's the the criteria. Is it a distinguished and honorable or the best players that played the game? Because if you look at best players, it's that say that honorable and honorable. Okay, so if that's the if that's the criteria, then the honorable kicks him out, and that's why a lot of people have kept like Mark McGuire and some you know Barry Bonds and several of those guys out. I Hall just look of at. Fame careers yeah I, I looked at him as as his was part of a team collaboration so do all those players that were part of that houston team since they all cheated on that even though they had to uh they already paid their consequences they all cannot be on that hall of fame now yes okay all right well i don't like what's the distinction between like betting and cheating and steroids like what like why just well, i i would say that steroids is something that somebody does internally. Obviously, you're making yourself bigger. Mm-hmm. All right, cheating in a game—I don't know—that's gone on for a long time, where people have you to try to get advantage in a, in a, in a way. Um, not well, necessarily. Let's get Shoeless Joe Jackson back in the, in the Hall of Fame baseball. Yeah, I mean that's he cheated. Yeah, again, I mean there, there's one time. Yeah, one time that is true. And he even performed better than everybody on the field. So, yeah. I, I'm not, I, you know what, I, I, I like Carlos Beltran. I thought his numbers were hollow worthy. Um, but 
that's why I bring them up because you know there is that that thing of the Houston Astros is that the thing that keeps them off the ballot, and there are people who are going to vote that say no. So oh that, yeah, people won't even consider, consider that just because, because they, they like Carlos, right? Well, I, I, I like him. He was a good player, so I'll give him a pass. You know, I, I, don't I don't know if I give him a pass. pass. I'll look at his numbers, even up to that point. You know, like, like when, when I look at like Barry Bonds, my always question is, is we know when he started steroids. How was he before then? And that's kind of how I usually kind of dictate and how was it afterwards. Were his numbers prior to that, at that point, was he ready for the Hall of Fame? Or was he not worthy at that point? And that, but, but to me, me that's, that's that's just my my mindset of how I do it. So when I look at Beltron, I mean that was his last year he played. He, he was actually going to get ready to be a manager after that. He wound up not taking a position because of it all. Um, you know, I I, I get either way. way. I mean, I, you, I, you know, know, he cheated, and you know, that that's part of the that's that maybe that's part of the consequences. Like Pete Rose, even though now we allow betting in baseball. He bet it when it, when it didn't wasn't allowed, and so he's not in the Hall of well, Fame. You still can't bet if you're a player or coach. So field personnel. Well, that, that's true. So let's get into uh, the second player that I want to talk about. Uh, so, hopefully, he didn't cheat. No, no, this guy didn't cheat. Uh, it's funny because he he was when I was growing up one of my favorite players, uh, Scott Rowland. Scotty Rowland. The thing about Scott is when you look at his stats, he doesn't dominate in one area. Okay. So you, to me, when you look at Scott Rowland, this is a player that you can't just look at and go, okay, he deserves to be in a Hall of Fame because of how many homers he hit or how many doubles he hit. Um, but when we look at him, I want to I want to give you a few things here. So here I got a good point after after you talk. Go ahead, you go ahead, make your point. Okay, Scott Rowland, we're we're debating his talent level, right? Yeah. Maybe it's Hall of Fame quality. Maybe it's not. Let's just say he he cheated one year. Would we even be having this discussion since his play length of play, his his quality of play is kind of borderline? If if you attach cheater, you you immediately dismiss, correct? I don't know. I, I think his stats were are really good. I think he just got to he doesn't dominate one area. You got to look at the whole picture, and that's why I say with him, like, so let's look at here. Um, he won eight gold gloves, which is the fourth most by any third baseman. So Brooks Robinson, Mike Schilt, and Nolan Arnato, um are the only people who've won more. Mm-hmm. Okay? So he recorded a 21.2 defensive war in his big league tenure, 114 defensive runs saved from 2003. So, And the reason why is because they didn't, they didn't look at it prior to that. So he was a strong hitter. Um, so, uh, for for a hot corner, mm-hmm. only Schmidt, Matthews, and Chipper Jones and George Brett were better, okay, on the OPS, all right? So, and from 1997 through 2004, he finished fourth in, in the NL MVP voting. So, mm-hmm. um, he averaged 28 homers, 102 RBIs per season, with a collective 287 average. Okay, and a 133 OPS. Well, his production tailed off in his 30s. Hold on here. So, I mean, I look at this guy. So, um, he had 2,000 hits, 300 homers, and 500 doubles. Okay, all right. And there's only like 14 players who have done that. Okay, so, and most of them are in the Hall of Fame, except for Albert Pujols, Miguel Cabrera, Robinson Cano. And Andre Beltre. Cano. Cano. All right. Get on to me about that. Those are yeah. those are all people that will be in the Hall of Fame, though. And there's a few that were linked, who did that, but were linked to PD, uh, Peds, which they is che- Barry Bonds. Cheated? Yeah. Oh. Barry Bonds, Alex it's Rodriguez, sick. Rafael Primero, and Manny yeah. Ramirez. Well, you know what would be awesome? You know what would be awesome? What's that? I think would end the debate about, like, cheating, steroids. If we had a Hall of Shame. I've, I've, I actually, what I And said, you can only get in there if you have super good stats, and but you have something against you. I always said that they should put a area in the Hall of Fame because it's acknowledging the sport, and they should put stuff like during the PED era. era anybody who did things, they should put on that area and be acknowledged as an, a time where this was going on in baseball. Um, because one of the things that always bothered me about, like the steroids thing, after reading the Mitchell report, was 
the fact that most so you had two classes of, of players who took the the steroids you had the young players trying to get an advantage and most of those guys were like borderline not really good enough to quite make the pros and they were just trying to get that little edge mm-hmm. okay and even by, after by cheating yep and, and almost all those players um never made it okay i mean they came up one or two years and, it just, and they never made it they, they were just trying to get advantage the other part okay were the other players um who 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 jose canseco went around and introduced so a minus barry bonds okay mm-hmm. every other major player that we talk about should be in the hall of fame or whatever mm-hmm. every one of those was already a good player and they saw what Jose Canseco did, and they wanted his numbers. They wanted to go from 40 homers to 50 homers. They wanted to go from, you know, 20 stolen bases to 30 stolen bases because he could do the 30-30 and a 40-40. And so he would go around, and when you watch a Mitchell report, it's like he goes to this place, he introduces this guy. He goes to this place, he introduces that guy. He goes to this place, he introduces that guy. And he keeps introducing him to his dealer. And then when he can't get a job because he's gone to every team in baseball and, and, and ruined his name with them pretty much because he was like with almost literally about every team. I think it was like 26 teams that he mm-hmm. played for. It was crazy. Maybe 18, something like that. It was a lot of teams. And then, he, then he can't get a job until he writes a book exposing how he went around to every one of these players and got them all hooked on steroids. I mean, it was just kind of crazy to me, and then it becomes a big deal. That was always part of my, my problem with that was – but it's his park. But going back, I don't want to get too. We can. We should do an episode on steroids sometime because I would. I know your dad's passionate about that too. Because I've heard <laughs> yeah. his things. I'd love to hear. Maybe have him on. He here. said he's had a few things to say on the subject. <laughs> but going back to Scotty, because he did not do steroids and he played during that time. Yeah. And his numbers, um, you know, he was he was a five point eight WAR per season from nineteen ninety seven to two thousand four. Yeah. And people liked him. He was honorable. So this is my point. It's like, why don't we reserve spots in the Hall of Fame for people like this? Well, that's what I said. That's why I'm bringing it up. He's been on yeah. the ballot for a few times. He yeah. he moved up. I think he's been on. Let's see here. He's been on a few times. And he, people people walk into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, they look at the numbers, but they, there isn't there is a a present uh, presence when you walk and you're standing in front of a plaque and you read about his heroics or his the type of person he is like I, I think people look at that more than uh he had 316 home runs yeah he started out with 10 percent vote in 2018 and he was just 47 votes shy last year so i mean again it seems like riders are just paying attention i think the thing that was is everybody looked at him and again he wasn't a guy that had one stat that stood out like i hit 700 home runs like albert or i hit 500 this but you look at his overall stats for a third baseman, he's an elite, he's top ten and easily in all of baseball. Yeah, in no, the whole, I, all time. You don't have to convince me. He was good defensively. Yeah. He had a bat. He could hit. He got on base. He did everything that you want, but he just didn't dominate one stat area. You just again, it's going to. Right. I think the same argument's going to happen when Yachty goes into the Hall of Fame. He should be a first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion. But if you look at Yachty, I think he will be. Well, but but. The, what he's most known for, there's not a stat for. Right. Which is framing pitchers and managing the game. What what stat helps you manage a game and frame pitchers? But you talk to pitcher after pitcher. There's a reason why well, every midseason the Cardinals go, go out and find two pitchers who weren't all that great, and then they would come to the Cardinals and have a fantastic second half of the season, a.k.a. even his last year. Yeah. I'm, well, that's my. I think the stat is ERA with Yachty. And ERA without Yachty, I I, yeah. I would imagine every pitcher close to has a better ERA with Yachty as opposed to against. Absolutely, yeah. I, I I would I would it, well, and I think there's a lot of other things, the little technical things. Obviously, we knew that he could throw out base. You know, anybody yeah. tried to yeah. throw a base, he had one of the quickest arms. One, you know, kept kept the bases from being stolen on him. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. all right, so pick me off. <laughs> Did he? Yeah. Oh my god. That was my literally my last play in the big leagues. He picked me off. Oh, that's funny. I was a pinch pinch hitter, walked on four pitches. He he went to block the ball. He scooped it cleanly and just threw it down the first. That's awesome. I was out. See ya. All right. <laughs> well, our third candidate, Andrew Jones. He's another guy. First, you know, uh he's in a sixth year. All right. And again, Andrew Jones, uh, I most known him for for playing for the Braves. He did play for the Yankees for a short period of time, 
But again, I mean, this is a guy. Let me let me give you a few of his stats here. So, um, Gold Gloves. All right. That was ten, my guy, Andrew Jones. Ten Gold Gloves. So, ten Gold Gloves. There's only four outfielders to win exactly ten Gold Gloves. King Griffey Jr. Okay, mm-hmm. Ichiro. All right, we're talking about Ichiro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so that alone to me already puts him. I mean, there's not too many outfielders that have 10 gold gloves. That tells you how he was. He accumulated a 24.4 defensive war in his career. Mm. Wow. He's good. Yeah. Hall of Famer. Well, I mean, he hasn't made it yet. So that's why we're talking about it. Um, he hit four. Uh, he had four hundred homers, so he had power. His power tailed off at the end of his career. Mm-hmm. So, which is, I think, what one of the things that was bad. I think sometimes that happens where a player hits so well for like a ten-year period, and then you know people remember Albert right now because of his last half season for the Cardinals. But if he had not had that, it would be like he had ten great years and eleven terrible years, yeah. and people would kind of remember that eleven terrible years. Most most of baseball, St. Louis would remember the right. ten great years. Or well, he also he played for Atlanta for eleven years. Yeah, that's why I said the ten of those he was Go Glover and awesome. Yeah, and the year he went to L.A. for that one year, that that's when everything kind of starts falling dropped apart. Off, dropped yeah. off. Yeah, so, yeah, again, I... I still hitting 17, 19. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't, again... But, not but a he, lot of at-bats. Yeah, I mean, he that's when he started dealing with some injuries. And you see that a lot with outfielders, right? I yeah. mean, you, an outfielder comes up to 24, 25. If they have a career where they play 10 years in the outfield in the major league level, they get to be 34, 35. Um, it seems like inevitably, usually what I notice is they get some kind of leg injury. Lower leg, it'll be Achilles, it'll be a foot... And after that, their power goes. They're not as fast in the outfield, so they move from center or being this elite defensive man to being an adequate defensive man. And then their power goes. You look at Ken Griffey Jr. is a classic example with the Reds. Mm-hmm. Great, great first few seasons with the Reds. And then all of a sudden, he that when he had that leg injury, comes back, and his power, you know, it wasn't like he was not hitting homers. He was just half of what he was hitting, you know. In the high, he went from hitting in the high 30s to all of a sudden hitting low 20s, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was easily 14 to 20 home runs a season less than what he was hitting prior. So, you know, and again, and then all of a sudden they're not the gold glover anymore. They're still covering okay with those leg injuries. Matt Holiday for the Cardinals, another one. Got the leg injury, never quite got his power back. I mean, he wasn't terrible after that. He played a year for the Yankees where he was okay. But, again, just never, even his last season with the Cardinals, never quite the same guy with that leg injury. Well, I got him, I got him in. In Hall of Fame, there you go. Well, I'll, I'll, I'm a, I'm a fan of Andrew Jones. So those are three players that uh, definitely there's some debate on. One obviously with the the cheating scandal, um, different type of scandal, and uh, and then uh, you got the uh, the other two where neither one have a dominant stat. I guess you kind of say the Gold Glove, Tingle Gloves. You know, you could say the Gold Gloves for both of them are probably their dominant stat, but you look at the overall picture, and they really just were – there probably wasn't a better third baseman, you know, in baseball oh, no. during Scott Rowland's tenure, except for Andre Beltre kind of came along at one point. And then you also have A-Rod. a – Yeah. What, but, but see, A-Rod, I don't count him. Again, by that point, he was on steroids. He went from the shortstop. When he went down to Texas, he gets introduced to steroids, and that's when the steroids, and he moves over. So – that's where I look at his stats prior, and I go, okay, he was a great player prior, and this is who well, he was a shortstop. And after that, secret? yeah, I think that A. Rod's been taking steroids since he was in high school. Could be. Yeah. Grew according, up, where did he grow up in Miami? Yeah, well, but but according to the, I'm just giving you the Mitchell report. That's what I read, and they did right. a deep in, interview with all that. Did you see the Netflix documentary they did? It was like uh, somebody. It was a documentary type thing and somebody pretended to be A-Rod during the show and they like lived his life as if he was going and getting these things and A-Rod's not interesting a good dude at all <laughs> at all there you go <laughs> all right anyways so now with uh we got the new year so Scotty from you yeah I want you to tell us from your hot corner 
three things the Dodgers need to do for their New Year's resolution. So, what are three things? Number one, make their park more kid-friendly. Okay. Number two, cement a closer for the next five years. Yeah, that'd be a great move for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and number three, what, we, we discussed this earlier. What did I say about number three? I said uh, – I talked about Bauer a little bit. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, they, yeah. He came – you know, he had the – the whole scandal with yep. the woman, yep. and then he got he he fought MLB for the suspension. He won, right? right. So now he's il- eligible, and I think the Dodgers were were hoping that. I'd read a lot of things behind the scenes. That's why they weren't actively yeah. going after like Verlander or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. That they had thought that he was going to be able to win um, because he had won his uh, uh, lawsuit, so right. the criminal suit. So and uh, and I and I and I guess. Uh, you know, I have a hard stance on the Hall of Fame, obviously, but for cheating and doing this is off the field stuff, right? This is personal life stuff. No criminal charges. Right, right. I mean, you're either settled so, civil. Yeah, to me, to me, you got to go with the, the American way, which is you're innocent unless proven guilty. It was not proven guilty. Right. Okay. The, the 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 we're in a day and age right now where as soon as somebody says something. Uh, you're labeled that. You're labeled that. Yeah. So I, I would agree with you, especially. And I don't. And trust me, I don't like. I don't like Bauer. I don't like him. But yeah. to say he can't play baseball because of an accusation, an accusation that's been proven, proven either not true or a fraction of what actually happened. Yeah. Essentially everything. Yeah. And you're going to ruin that guy's life because of that. Well, I, I. I'm in agreement Obviously on that. Obviously, not ruin his life. The guy yeah, has money. Me, he has like I'm not saying. Yeah, his yeah life no, no, good. but 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 his, his. I mean, he has money and all that. But his yeah. big thing is is his career. I mean, we men identify with their career, and uh, with with Bauer. My hope is is really this. If I had to, if I had to say something about this, is I hope this is a wake up for Bauer personally. Okay, things like this can really come make somebody review their spiritual life a little bit and their life decisions. He's obviously been obviously been a guy who's been controversial since high school. He's always kind of been a, a, a prima donna, always been very vocal about things. Whether you like some people really like that because he was uh, an alpha male to some degree. Um, um, but on the other hand, I hope that this has humbled him in a, in a way that maybe he'll be a better person out of it. And I also hope this is a a uh, uh, a caution sign to young MLB players coming up that they need to pay attention to the people that they have around them or who they date. In this day and age, you need to pay attention. The fangirls that are all around all these different sports uh, players, they they want one thing, okay? They want you to get them pregnant so they can get the money, okay? And you need to be aware of that. And uh, and so they're using a, a, a weakness in most males and exposing it, and, you're, and most males who are on the road are a lot of times lonely, mm-hmm. right? Especially if they don't got family, and so they they utilize their looks and their beauty and attractiveness to offer a companionship. The problem is, is it leaves you more empty than ever before, and often more broke. So, <laughs> and uh, and so, you know, my, my oh, cautionary okay. tale to young players is, you know, uh, there's you look at good role models, and the role models, you know, I look at a guy right now. I'm going to use a guy even out of baseball who I've really been studying up a little bit on. Jonathan Isaacs from the Orlando Magic. Love hearing his testimony recently. Love hearing how him and his wife met um, serving together. They met serving together, okay? He was serving in, 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 in uh, I think it was a food kitchen or something with this church that he had started going to. And that's how he met his wife. What a great way, story. Always tell the young men at the bar, I mean, a young men at the gym, that I never have met a successful marriage that started out with, we met at a bar. I said, <laughs> I said, you go around this gym and you ask all the successful men in this gym who have great marriages and families and find me one that starts out with the simple, we met at a bar. And I said, I would venture to say that you were, are very unlikely to find one of those. But if you find somebody, but if you find out that if they say like, we met doing this together we met doing this together okay serving at church working out you know uh, uh hiking in a park you know things that people tend to do that are fun and 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 enjoy doing 
Okay, we were hanging out with friends, going on a float trip. You know, mm-hmm. things that are that are that are uh, com- you know communal to some degree uh, tend to draw people together, and and those bonds are strong. You know, you meet people finding things that you enjoy doing together, um, and then you can grow doing those together. So so yeah, so that's my my hope out of the Bauer situation is I hope that after this is done, that uh, that him personally comes out of this. I hope that a year from now when we're doing this podcast. And we're talking about Trevor Bauer. We're talking about how a changed man he is, how much more mature man he is, and how he's become a better leader on the Dodgers pitching staff. Um, maybe we'll get some insight from uh, Kershaw somewhere along the, the line. I'd love to hear his insight uh, after some time with them. The other uh, 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 things. So let's uh, we'll move on from that. So that's the the uh, 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 Dodgers New Year's resolution. So, all right, for oh, you're I'm buzzing. Everybody's buzzing you, man. You're a popular <laughs> man. All right, so for for me, I want to talk about the New Year's resolution, um, but more from a spiritual end of view. So this year, uh, I think there's three New Year's <laughs> resolutions that we as believers should make, and the first one um, is pretty uh, pretty simple. And Are you that, saying that Christians have to make resolutions? I don't think they have to make them, but I think that there's, I think there's tents in a stake, and a new year is a good time to do that, right? Just like you can always lose weight, but at the beginning of the year, sometimes it's because it's a fresh start, new year, people decide to start doing something, make a change. I follow the the Hebrew calendar. Yeah. When does their new year start? <laughs> there you go. Or the Chinese calendar. Yeah, one of those two. The new year comes up in a, in a few more weeks. All right. So, but number one. I think this is this is an important one. I think that, especially as husbands, and I think you'll agree with this, is that we need to pray and fast for our families, our community, and our country. Um, right now, when I look around the world, um, and I look around, especially in our community and country, the one thing that makes me want to do more is pray, and that's because I know that we can only do so much change, but God can change hearts. He can change minds. He controls much more than we'll ever be able to control. And so, I would say for number one, that. Uh, that is that is what I think we should uh, do is is be men of prayer. Number two uh, is personal growth that we can all commit it. at the beginning of the year is a great time to start a new devotional. My, my daughter started one the other day. Uh, great time to start a devotional. Um, if you're not uh, being discipled, it's a good time to to get discipled and to disciple. Um, I don't know about what, what you do, Scott, but I know I, I have a couple guys I meet with a few times a week. Um, some each week, some um, once a month or whatnot, but I, we, we go through and we're discipling them. And then I try to meet with some guys who hopefully we'll get on this podcast eventually that are a little bit older than me that help mentor and, and, and uh, help me become a better the husband and all. But I think that that's, that's something we can all strive to. And uh, then number three uh, is encourage family growth, right? So as I think as husbands, we want to see our kids be successful. As I was just saying earlier, my daughter had uh, gotten a new devotional last night, but I think that that should be that should be the norm. I don't think when I when I talk to a lot of uh, young men, especially young dads, who come to me and they start talking about their kids and kids' problems, and they'll come to me because they know I got six. <laughs> they'll be like, you know, how do you handle all that? And and I, I tell them, well, the first thing is is I married way over my head. Okay, so no doubt about it, my wife. Uh, she is the, the center in a lot of ways of what goes on in the family. And I'm sure I know your wife is the, probably the same way. Mm-hmm. A lot of things happen with, with, with that core. But number two, um, and really it should be number one, but it's easy. I, I like to brag about my wife, but I think that's a godly thing. But number one is God, right? I mean, when God is present in your kids' lives and when you're encouraging them uh, in spiritual growth, and that's the number one priority, um, you'll see godly characteristics often coming out of your kids. And when you don't, You'll be prayerful about it, and you'll look for ways to encourage those uh, mm-hmm. actions to change. And, uh, and and you go to the community of faith to find that, right? I mean, that's why Jewish centers of faith, um, evangelical centers of faith, uh, throughout history, people go to their community of faith to get answers, you know, uh, on different things. We had me and Amy uh, just uh, Monday. We're having lunch with a couple from our church, and uh, both of their kids, they got one that just got married, one that's in college. And they were telling us how they'd gone to a couple, a couple people in our, our church to ask some questions about their kids mm-hmm. when they were in high school. 
And it was just so refreshing to find out that they weren't alone and have struggles, mm -hmm. okay? And they could work through them together. And so a couple other couples in the church and them got together, started praying and, and uh, working together to find better solutions uh, uh, for how they could uh, see uh, fruit from their kids that, that was much more godly. So I think, uh, you know, at the beginning of the year, great time to, to start those things and to look forward to uh, 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 instilling those kind of values in your personal life by prayer and your, your devotional and discipleship life. And then lastly, uh, seeing your kids bear their own fruit in your wife. So yeah. and, those are all good. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. All right. Well, we're going to go into the bonus round bonus round today. We are still talking about our favorite guy, Correa. Carlos. Yes. Yes. And there's so much going on with that. So I haven't heard anything about him in a while. Really? Really. Okay. So let me catch you up on what's going on with him. He has not signed yet with the Mets. They found the health problem. They're saying they're working towards a solution. Rumor mill has it. Now, I can just give you the rumor mill. This is like completely it. speculation. Okay. Speculation is, is that his twin brother might have done his physical. And so that MLB is now investigating his twin brother. Are you saying Carlos is a double cheater, potentially? Could be. I don't know. I'm just saying that that is a rumor that so, I heard last night. I, heard, I was reading online. Again, I don't like to, to give rumor too much fire, but I will just say that there there's... Does he have a twin brother? He does have a twin brother. Kind of like him. Yep. Just like him. Yeah, not as athletic, apparently. and doesn't can't play baseball like him, but he has a brother that looks alike, uh, just like him. He has a twin brother. And uh, I've heard... Now, this is, again, this is just rumor. I don't like to... But the, the, the deal apparently is, is he got injured when he was 19, mm -hmm. had a leg injury, and that there's a lot of questions on how this operation was done. And, and so, you know, you're, again, you're, the, both teams, uh, the Giants prior and now the Mets, were signing this guy for 12, 13 years, $300 million investment. And when you got a leg issue that may pop up, you know, in three, four, five years, you, you don't want a guy who's not going to be playing for you for the last half of, of a 13-year contract and have six, seven, eight years on. So they're saying that the Mets and Correa are probably going to work out something, but it'll be something much, much different than what he originally got. So there's a lot of speculation, like a three plus two. So maybe it's I'd a, imagine that they're probably – sorry, I cut you off. Three plus two what? So three years yeah. with the option if he's in, you know, healthy and yeah, plays yeah. X amount of games like an option for that, that, you know, in the first three years that then two more kick in. And so it'd be like a, a five-year, uh, $150, 160000000 million deal. He'd still why make some dough. Why don't they just pay him what they're going to pay him and make him take insurance out on the body part that's hurt right. and just cover his own costs? I have no idea. Maybe <laughs> maybe he can do that. I don't know. Maybe he can't because of uh, of the of the the way it was. Prior, maybe an injury. Prior injury. Yeah, prior injury. Yeah. So I don't. I do not know. I can just tell you, based on uh, speculation. There's a lot of speculation, and that's what that was. That's why I like the the premise that as the rumor mill. Uh, but but there's a lot of speculation out there. But at the, as it is, the guy has now had two teams, two physicals, both flunked. Both dealing with the leg. We can confirm that. And uh, Scott Boris now is just trying to get his client some kind of a decent contract. Mm -hmm. Latest I hear is going to look more like a five-year deal versus a 13- or 12-year deal. Probably three plus two uh, is what I'm hearing. So we'll, we'll – we'll... Interesting. Yeah, it I is. I wonder how much the Astros knew about that. I mean, probably everything. I don't know. I mean, he's 19, and maybe it was easier back then, and maybe he didn't even have to. I mean, again, he was a budding star, so he wasn't like, I mean, what you do when you're going to pay somebody for 12 years, $300 million, to somebody who's coming up and playing for $600,000, and if they make it, you pay them more, or two separate categories, right? I mean, one's a huge, huge financial investment. The other one is an investment, but not quite on, I mean, you know, 600000 is a lot to us, but to in baseball money. That's 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 a drop in the bucket. Mm -hmm. So you know, I just go back and say, uh, you know, I hope I wish him well. I don't know what the story is there. Um, I hope that the rumor mill is wrong and that is that that, that goes away. But that was out floating on social media last night. Uh, before I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna have to pay attention to that. Yeah, I it, didn't know all that. <laughs> Scotty didn't know. Well, that's okay. 
guy you didn't know. We're going to get into the, to this, uh, doing that a little bit more down the road. So, all right. Well, that being said, we we appreciate everybody uh, uh, hanging out with us and, and spending some time with us today. We're working on this. We're going to keep getting better at it. Yeah, we'll get better. Definitely. We'll get better. Yeah, yeah. We'll get better. But uh, it's our first one of the new year. So, that being said, you guys have a great rest of your day. And uh, look for us again later this week.